0: Today's scripture reading comes from Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 34. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her blood, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you, his disciples answered. And yet you can ask who touched me? but jesus kept looking around to see who had done it then the woman knowing that knowing what had happened to her fell came and fell at his feet trembling with fear told him the whole truth he said to her daughter your faith has healed you go in peace and be freed from your suffering this is the word of the lord
1: Good morning. I'm Howard Brown and the senior pastor at Christ Central and talking about <clears throat> I got some schniglet in my um this morning. So, sorry, y'all don't watch Coffee Talk on Saturday Night Live. Just a little. I'm old. Sorry. I was around when Saturday Night Live was good. Um, and people were watching it. Um, so excuse my nasalness this morning. I'm at the end of it, but the end sometimes is just a little worse than the beginning in these kind of things. And, um, just want you to know our pastor Giorgio is away on vacation, little weekend getaway. Continue to pray for him and his rest. Um, and, uh, he, he you know, he was working hard this week. I was gone to St. Louis for a pastor's conference. And so glad to be back, y'all. And, um, we're going to continue in our sermon series of Christ and Christianity. And, um, as we talk about this, um, and, and go through this text, um, yes, there's a lot of application, in particular to women, but um, those of you who are not women, um, I, I urge you to follow along, and, and because the, the same exhortations and applications and grace given to the woman in this story apply to men as well. So today we're going to turn our attention towards Jesus and how his ministry to women calls his people and church to continue to do the same. Modern day poet, I would call her, and bard, Alicia Keys, while y'all laughing, that girl's hot, she got it going on, her music, her music. I had to make that clear, I'm being serious, her music, her music. She's pretty too. She's pretty too. She has this line in her song, A Woman's Worth. Line goes this way, short line. It says, A real man just can't deny a woman's worth. A real man just can't deny a woman's worth. I thought very insightful. Because if we look at the second chapter of Genesis, and we, when God made the woman out of man, He brought Eve to Adam. And it was Adam who named her and blessed her with this virtue. You are bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. That Eve, your worth is what as a real man I am called to communicate. Because it is a worth that God has created in you and wants you, the woman He has created to have an... Live by. And so it's ironic to me that even, uh, back then, uh, Judaism in this time, in the society this time, and now Christianity today has gotten the rap, a, a much, much, uh, justified uh, rap, unfortunately, of breeding and fueling misogyny and sexism. Of not being pro-female. Well, Jesus throughout the Gospels, God's second Adam, He's called, and the final real man of all men does what we, the people of God, often fail to do. He does not deny and offers women God's created worth for them. Jesus was, as biblically defined, a feminist. Giving God's created worth and dignity to women through a liberating and loving ministry. This woman woman in our story is not only a woman, but she is a woman with an issue. And in this case, more specifically, an issue of blood, some texts say. A menstrual bleeding that started 12 years ago and had yet to stop. And I don't know the whole story of her life, but she certainly because of her issue would have been cut off from her family if she had one. And, and even her kids, or if this issue started at, at puberty, she would not have had the luxury of courtship or marriage. She, she could not shop at the local grocery store with everybody or even come to church. Because you see, back then when women were having their monthly cycle, they were deemed unclean by the law of God. Which is we look at other things, the law of God meaning the societal laws that God had in place for his people, meant that you know if you look at other things that made you unclean according to that law, it meant that there was a possibility of bloodborne pathogens or or, or sickness that 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 could infect the whole community. It was actually about caring for others at a time without modern medicine i it's like wearing a mask or you know how people tell you, cough in your elbow. You know, I gotta get this on my nerves. Cough in your elbow. Uh, anyway, or not putting your kid in the nursery with a fever or green stuff in the nose. But because of her prolonged situation, she was trapped, isolated, unknown, and misunderstood. Because this was not just a woman. This was a woman with a serious issue that caused her not only to have to live in isolation, but as we look at the culture of that time, among much injustice. Back then... As I was studying the background, the history, I discovered that, 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 due to ignorance and arrogance about would it meant to be unclean, all sorts of tales and prejudices developed about women. That before Jesus straightened the law out in Matthew, that that, that out, women they, they could be divorced and left behind for the simplest reason. And not provided for. Every woman back then had to rely on her marital status or her mother or her, her father's, or, or, you know, her daughter's status to be fed and cared for and survive and known and loved. It was hard enough back then being a woman, but to be a woman with an issue, living in isolation in a largely unjust world was deadly to the soul. And opened, as you could imagine, the door for all sorts of self-deprecation and exploitation by others. And according to the story, it happened to this woman. The Bible says she sought out doctors, let's call them quacks, to fix not only her problem, her medical problem, but in doing so, to give her what she really longed for and hoped for and needed, liberation. To give her right standing and acceptance and justice and love and being desired, desired and possibly being a mother or a daughter or a sister again. And so the Bible says she, that she went to doctors and foolishly, desperately gave all she had to just in return get used and taken advantage of. Think about the cures at this time. I was looking at them and this is what they would recommend for her. Take three Persian onions, boil them in wine, drink it. Then you would say to the woman, cease your discharge. That didn't work. Make her stand at crossroads, literally like 36 in in North Davidson. Hold a cup of wine and frighten her, exclaiming, cease your discharge. But if that didn't work, you know, they would ask her to get a handful of cumin and saffron and fenugreek and boil it in wine, drink it, and say once again, cease your discharge. Now who's paid for all these ingredients? Saffron kind of expensive. But if not, that wouldn't work. Let 60 pieces of sealing cali of a wine vessel be brought and let them smear her and say to her, cease your discharge. And then the final remedy, which uh, let me uh, let you understand, in between they would include five more remedies depending on how much money you had. But the final was this. Get a barley grain from the dung of a white mule. Eat it. And if you hold it in one day, your discharge will cease for one day. For two, then for two days. Three, you're healed forever. Exploited. On one hand. Desperate and foolish on the other. Before we judge her, An isolation and justice of being a woman at this time with sin and aggravation and ignorance of sin. A woman with issues. You know, maybe it's taken a long time like her, 12 years. It is easy. Whether a man or a woman, in this much desperation, it is easy to be exploited as Scripture says, to make it worse for love and acceptance. And many of you have gone looking as women. Who can't be accepted in their issues. Maybe not pretty enough. Or important enough. Or dainty enough. Or thin enough. Or smart enough. Or or too strong or not trophy enough, or, or won't give it the program enough. And, and many of you have been neglected and abused by fathers and brothers and husbands and boyfriends, fearing utter rejection and being an outcast, have had settled for less, and, and seeking healing from hurt, have made things worse for yourselves like this woman. Following foolish ideals of beauty. And sexiness and love. Some of you have given your bodies and hearts away to, to be in with somebody. To some of you to even get married or, or to just be a real woman, a beautiful woman. Some, some of you have done crazy diets and exercise regimens and have even developed eating disorders and seriously follow those magazines on the rack when you know the one with the perfect woman with the perfect body and perfect sex life with the perfect family on top of it on the front of that cover. And in futility of ever being accepted as a woman, some have denied and even hated your God-given femininity as if it were a burden or a setback. Because there is more, you can understand that there could be more dignity and worth in not being like a woman as a woman than living in the injustice and isolation and abuse of being one. Some of the cited man hatred and fear is best. And many, especially some of our Christian circles, have taken up non-biblical quack version old wives' tale of what a good wife and mother is all about. To fix brokenness, to seek acceptance. You know, many women have been damaged and have issues we will seek help and hope and healing somewhere. Well, let me let you know, outside of the liberation that Jesus offers, there is nothing but exploitation and degradation and things that just make it worse. When I was up in St. Louis this week, visited, we have two couples from our church that are in se- seminary, and I go there and try to eat with them and talk to them and see what's going on at Covenant Seminary. And uh, one of the, Laura Stifler, married to Walter Stifler, they're in the seminary, and they live in a community of seminary uh, students, husbands and wives. And she told me, you know, Pastor Brown, this is what's going around among the wives. First thing, it's less godly. To get pain medication when you're given birth. I don't know how that virtue came out. Somehow it started. And now there's this deal where these real women don't take pain medication. Take it from a man. I'm going to take mine. Before the pain starts. Not afterwards. I've been in there with my wife with that little whoop, whoop, jumps up. That ain't going to happen to me. Before that, boop, boop, I'm going to be out. (laughs) Something else is kind of strange. You know, she was talking about Walter's real good. He comes on, he helps with the dishes. He does this. And she says, this is what the women there say. You should never ask your husband to do anything around the house and you shouldn't really bother him for a break because he's in seminary. And so you just suffer and let him do whatever he wants. And and you know, and so she says, now these women are taking these anti-anxiety medicines because they can't deal with the pressure of not re- of being alone and him being in another room studying and taking care of kids and never giving them a break. And Here's the lie. When we get in ministry, it'll be better. You got to be a godly woman, they told her. Don't bother your husband. Just suffer and deal with it. Oh, that's so godly. Lies. 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 All over the place for you women. Just lose the weight. He will love you. Just give that gossip. You'll be accepted. Just show a little bit more skin or, or something. You, you will get the attention and love you crave so badly. Sleep with him. It's the only way you'll be sure to not be alone. It's your fault you got hit. And if you leave him, all the relational mess and fallout will be your burden. Lies. But a good woman doesn't have a strong opinion. It keeps her mouth shut. And then you're trying to fix what is broken in your heart and mind, what's been abused and may have been stolen or shamed by another man or woman or neglect of a sister or mother or society itself by giving almost everything and anything will sadly not give you liberation outside of Christ, just more bondage, loneliness, and pain. Well, the Bible says here that this woman with women's issues aggravated by sin and a broken world and all of its exploitative and misleading ideals of wholeness, she got desperate. She was already desperate. In this town, they probably knew this lady who was hoping in the rush that she would not be recognized. The Bible says in verse 24b, a large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to the bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, fed all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse, desperate. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. They knew her. And she was hoping in a desk in the Russia, she would not be recognized. And, th- and thought to herself, if I just touch the end of his robe, I'll be healed. I, I have to say, she got, send me the prayer cloth from the TV evangelist desperate. She wove through the crowd, probably crawled uh, through getting halfway trampled to touch Jesus' robe. And though there were no theological proofs of touching garments, she for sure got something real right and true in it all, probably from watching Jesus do His healing, which is this. That if this Jesus, maybe what He touches If this is Jesus, maybe what he touches does come clean. Maybe his robe has some power because he's so powerful. I mean, I've seen, heard about him touching lepers and demon-possessed. Maybe with Jesus, it works opposite. And she was almost right. Halfway right. We'll get back to the halfway. And so she sneaked in. And if you were her friend, this is the point where you say, Girl, I wouldn't do that. You lost your mind. They gonna kill you if they find you, but she was already dead. She had already lost her heart and mind and family and in her desperation, she reached out with a faith that not perfect, perfect can teach us something. Because if you have not yet turned to Jesus for restoration with a blatant, desperate confession and need, then there is a good chance you are still going to and prescribing to and believing in the quacks or yourself. That your sense of brokenness and your, your, your thought that you can fix yourself hasn't hit rock bottom yet. And from this story and from our own lives, we know that seeking help is hard for a woman. You saw our Bible so it's hard being a woman. <laughs> Like this woman having to weave through the crowd with her stuff. Because back then a woman would not dare touch or disturb a man or cause a scene. Especially one with her issues. So like her, getting help may mean a rela- relational mess. Exposing others who are touched and connected to your issues. And for a woman like this one, relationships can be so tied in and knotted up. You, I mean Think about it. If you get too needy and talk, you might embarrass your husband or family. You know how this thing works. Maybe you don't. Do the assessment center for the denomination, and assessment centers where we look at husbands and wives and teams that are going to go plant churches. And you can tell folk rehearsed it. Is your husband a good leader? Did he lead you spiritually? <clears throat> yes, he does she knows she can mess it up for everybody if she tells the truth touching getting involved in a crowd with your issues can be so dangerous never know if you tell your friend your little group of friends about your real issues they might see you as contaminous to the whole little their little group and maybe dangerous to their fake societal bliss You're just going to become a downer to the group. Many are afraid of losing their boyfriends or husbands. To find help in the community around and touching Jesus might mean that you can be accused of much. For women, things are too complicated and sticky and oftentimes they're left holding the emotional social load. But here is a lesson. Go and come and get gotten by Jesus is what I'm talking about. And it does mean sharing some deep issues with other women about yourself or about your marriage or about your sense of worth or body image. It might mean not looking as well put together as your clothing. And makeup up it might mean breaking out of the quiet, content, little church woman mode and, and getting bold. And, and it might mean leaving the strong woman persona behind and getting snotty and weepy and desperate. All of which I would describe like this woman's is a dangerous but sometimes necessary faith. It teaches us as a church... And as a people that we should make and present Jesus as touchable and available and make him reachable and contextual to the issues of women, women, and that the women that they be that, that the Lord calls them to contribute and bring their value. You know, that's why we have women shepherds and counselors and women teachers in this church. Not only for women but by women for the whole health of our church. They're here. We talk about them every week, women shepherds. They're here. We pray as a church, Lord, send us some older, mature women who can help us and lead us and and show us some things. And the Lord has been faithful. They are here. Where are you? But that's half of it. Because I don't know if you see it. It's going to be hard to hear. But think how selfish and still idolatrous this woman's faith is. Because of her leap and reach of faith were all to this message, selfishness and idolatrous faith is what it would breed. First, who told her touching the hem of his robe would work? It ain't biblical. Secondly, and I'm going to say this, and it's going to be hard to hear. She did break the law of God. She was unclean by the law of God. She tried to sneak worth from Jesus, Possibly touching others around her with her uncleanliness. Now, in modern medicine, we know better about the touching stuff. And we recognize her desperation. But she broke the law of God. She risked, if it were true, she didn't know, infecting others. Sure. I'm with you. I know how it feels when I read this. She was exploited and forgotten and suffering, and it took a long time, and it was frustrating. But she disobeyed a law of community care for selfish reasons. And what is biblical and good? Biblical and good feminism can take a turn for the worse if we don't see the holistic care and offering that Jesus is giving you. I will tell you that, that it was a that if that was all to the story, she went in and reached in and got healed, it will simply lead to more isolation and continue the lack of community and reconciliation between women, their issues and the wider community of men and women. Let me tell you, if your sense of equality and your healing and how you decide to take it and get it from Jesus is at odds with the word of God or if it stretches or adds to what God has said or outside of the community, it will only make for exploitation and works performance-based faith. We can become a people of me, 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 me. And oftentimes, I mean... It's true, God's got grace, but we we want the church and Jesus and the Bible. We want to take part of Him, part of the Bible, part of the community, part of the truth, and make it what it isn't, so that our needs and identity as women or men can be recognized and addressed. And that's not good either. That's not being whole and wholly accepted either. With that in mind, the woman in our story getting what she wants from Jesus, she tries to sneak off. If she could. So Jesus rightly asked. Verse 28, because she thought if I touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she's freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized the power had gone from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? And the disciple rightly answered, you see these people crowd around you? And you're asking who touched you? That's like being in a line. You know, they're giving away a million dollars. Who touched you? Who cares? And look at this. Jesus kept looking around. To see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. What? I thought in verse 29 it already said she was freed. But he adds, go in peace. And then this address, daughter. And it all matters and makes all the difference in the world here. When he says daughter here. Now listen to me now. Okay, because you got to look at the whole thing. It beckons us back. And it weaves in the other story. And the bridge term here is daughter. Now remember, when Jesus was going before he was touched by this woman, he was going and he was being beckoned by the ruler Jairus, whose daughter was sick. And Jairus' sick daughter was going to get healed. Why? Because she was somebody's daughter. But in this case, not just anybody's daughter. She was the the daughter of a concerned father who loved her. But not just a concerned father who loved her. But the daughter of a concerned father who loved her. Who was a ruler. But not just a concerned father who loved her and was a ruler. But she was a daughter of a concerned father who loved her, was a ruler. And used his place to call for the power of God through Jesus Christ for his daughter. By calling this woman with her issues, daughter, daughter. He was letting her know that through him, Jesus, she had an advocate. That she would know through a ruler, the ruler of the universe, that she had a father who was concerned about and knew and was sent for her issues and her worth. That she was healed, not because she stepped out in her own faith or acts of religion alone, but because Jesus' declaration said, you are a child of God, you are a daughter, and the faith you showed is being confirmed in your daughtership. But get this. What you need to be free and what she needed to be free, liberated, included, was not something she could get or manufacture or justice for herself by herself, but that she needed to be a daughter with a father, a big brother, an advocate, that it wasn't her works or her determination, but God's loving fatherly care and knowledge through Jesus. What makes Jesus' feminism... Different than all others or that what the quacks offered, they needed her to bring and buy her own stuff to be her own advocate. Jesus comes to completely give it. Some of you, my sisters, live isolated and idolatrous, having to live life alone, seeking help and hope alone is unknown and unseen because you don't and didn't have a gyrus in your life. You've never really been a daughter. Many of you, my sisters and and mothers here, have been overlooked and neglected and even taken advantage of and abused and and ignored and treated as less than useful. And, 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 And you're not known or looked at by a father or a brother or a husband. They have fallen short. And being the lover you need, the advocate you need, here is the good news. Jesus is your Jairus. He calls you daughter, which means you are loved and you are seen by God himself. That everything you need to be whole and, and all the dignity of belonging and being cared for and worth something to somebody of great worth is yours by the grace of God and Jesus Christ alone. And it means as you recognize your daughtership in Jesus, that you call others who seek to exploit and disrespect you. They better recognize and live by it as well. That the road to self-respect, ironically, is not self-respect, but God's respect of you as his daughter. And your respect of Him as your ruler and Father and in Jesus, your big brother. This offer, this gift of daughtership when Jesus adds go in peace to this woman is a call back, y'all. A call back into the lawful, rightful, just standing in God's community of faith and society. So understand if she had just gone off and and Jesus didn't finish the rest, she would have never been brought back in the community, brought back and connected as whole. And it means that Jesus is calling all women, His daughters, to come into a standing, to, to accept a standing, to come into a place and relationships where you can expect and seek and ask for justice, but also with it, that you not seek value for yourself, by yourself. She's in the family, y'all. In the family again and now. And so like this woman, he calls all his daughters to no longer seek your needs and value in isolation and idolatry. That your identity is connected to it. That, that your freedom is tied to the peace of The part you have with the people of God. And it means this. That Jesus calling women to a place in life where they, unlike this woman before her healing, can actually hear what God has called her to be. And to be free to live that out. Being a daughter means that Jesus speaks to you. That you are called to a new obedience. To a new freedom by the word of God. That this thing is written for your life. That daughtership means that this story and God's voice and grace and mercy you see from Genesis to Revelation is yours to listen to. And obey in a new freedom. Daughter means you listen to daddy for your own good. And not anyone else that would take you away from what this word says. Like the quacks would. Or even yourself for your own good. I say this and emphasize this. Because many of us don't necessarily like or believe with the Bible and how the Bible talks about your womanhood. Your Father is speaking to you. Not the fallen man in your lives, not the exploitation you've suffered. You're a daughter and the scripture says this word speaks to you like sons and daughters. And for you I have to say it like this, as you try like this woman to run away from the rulership of Jesus who calls you daughters, be a daughter. Don't scamper away in fear. Hear and submit yourselves to the Lord and his ministry to you. God is calling and freeing you to be in accountable and responsible and contributing relationships. Let some of these godly older women and big sisters who know the Lord speak to you as daughters and sisters. Yes, let your husband love and serve you. Yes, let your male pastor speak to your lives through the word. You know, we have these women Bible studies. You, you heard about it in the announcements i say this again, women shepherds. It's for you, daughters. To submit to it. To come here to the Word of God because it speaks to you. I don't, you know, women things, you know. you daughter. What's caused the thing in your mind that says if it's something with women and by women and for women and all that kind of stuff, it's less or lower. There's a fear there that daughtership combats. And yet you're so alone and isolated. Nobody knows about yourself. But you got it. You, you're a woman. doesn't make sense. You're still trapped. Ask for prayer. Seek answers and help. And I say to you mothers and sisters and fathers and brothers, you have a daughter. These people are God's daughters. You have a sister. Which means this. Because I didn't see this before. But I want you to see that before she wasn't free really to rub up against everybody. And her uncleanliness. When Jesus says, Peace, daughter, he's freeing her to bring her mess and let it loose in the body of Christ. We have agreed to be touched and moved by our sister's issues and worth to love them and see them and and lead them to the Lord and stand up and protect and fight for their dignity in and outside of the church, in this world, to be a redemptive gospel-based feminist, to to listen to them and take what they have to offer. You know, I we went to this uh, domestic violence um, seminar, you know, domestic violence towards women seminar, and I looked around the room and it was kind of funny, and this is not something to to praise me. It's really kind of hard. Two pastors, two men pastors, in the room of about fifty people, representing thirty-five churches. Where are we at, brothers? They're like, yeah, we—they we, they just sent the women ministry people. Pastors, that, male pastors, they don't come to these things. What? That's your sister. We should, we should know what's going on. We shouldn't say that's the women's mess. That ain't the way this thing works. I've said this before. I think I say it sometimes in orientation, especially to you women who are single women in our congregation. You got brothers for real. Two o'clock in the morning went out with the wrong dude, maybe in desperation, put yourself in a bad position, call us. We'll come get you. mean it. We might have to go to jail if somebody want to fight, but we'll come get you. I don't mind being on the news for the right thing. And I don't mind holding that thing for the right thing. Sometimes you have to bring some law and order. Don't be ashamed. We'll talk in the morning. Be safe. There's grace. You got brothers. Some of you trapped in these crazy relationships. Tell your sisters and your brothers, husbands. Speaking to me too, y'all. Quit seeing and dealing with your wife like she is just a hard to live and work with hen peck and won't be quiet Betty. Because that's where you brother stop. but she just said, forget it. ESPN, thank you. Beer, thank you. Whatever else y'all do. Cut the grass, blow the leaves, something, but deal with the woman, she's a daughter of God, man up and fight for her, like Jesus did, hate to be like WWJD on this thing, but (laughs) he's a good example too, and savior, don't let her get away with not being seen and known by you, her husband. Like Jesus, nothing is more important for you to get to or work on that should divert your attention from calling her to be cared for. Jesus was busy. He was on the way with the ruler. Y'all busy. Y'all on the way to work. Y'all tired. Nothing. Anyway, it's another sermon too. Condemned and damaged and trembling with fear and rejection. Closing here. You are a daughter. Jesus, your ruler. I mean, the Bible says she came fearful and trembling. Jesus, your ruler, is a big, loving brother and father. He is your Savior. This woman gets peace and freedom because he did get unclean by her touch. I don't get that which means he would die for her freedom on the cross. And she will get his worth and dignity. The Son of God will give his standing with the Father to her so she can be a daughter. And he will suffer for her. Isolation and outcast stuff. Speaking of women's suffrage, Jesus on the cross suffered for women's rights as daughters. This might sound crazy, but Jesus is a feminist because he lived and died with the issues of women on and in his body. And I don't want to get all chaka on you, but Jesus truly for his daughters on the cross became every broken and devalued woman. When you think about a sacrifice, is not separate from your daughtership, and one women's liberation, and one God's love for them. That's why He could say, "Be freed from your suffering." Because I'm going to suffer for you so you can know God's freedom. Jesus, the feminist. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have believed lies about ourselves. Lord, we thought just getting it on our own and Trusting in outside sources, outside of you, would be the way to get help. Forgive us. We'll never know what it is to be loved and secure and healed from abuse and neglect and all that stuff outside of you. Convince our hearts that this is true. And call us back. Sons and daughters. To your loving care. To your family. To a place where we we can be accountable and responsible and even offer ourselves again. Help us to be a church that looks at Scripture. Trust in the words you give for your daughters. Help us, Lord. We mess it up. Help us, brothers and older sisters and and mothers, to love those You've called to be daughters with us and in our midst. We can only do it, Lord, because You, Jesus, are willing to be unclean, suffer on a cross, and change and redeem each one of us. Do this for us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.